right, I'm going to invite Tim up. For those of you uh, who don't know Tim, uh, this is uh, Tim, the Deering's home church. Tim leads uh, the ministry Netzer, the regional network we are a part of. And uh, if you missed it at the beginning, I totally scheduled uh, Tim to come today. And then I wrote down in my notes that he was coming in July 14th. And so <laughs> I was not prepared for today. That was my fault, not Tim's. So in the email, it said I was going to be preaching for Max. Tim is going to be sharing a, an update from Netzer. And uh, excited to have you with us, Tim. So everybody, can we welcome Tim home? Thanks. Hey, good to be here. I was kind of wishing that it worked out the other way and that we came to Parkerford, but I wasn't teaching so that I could hear DJ teach because that hardly ever gets to happen either. Um, but I'm also really excited to be with you and to share what's going on with Netzer and, uh, and what the Lord's been up to. So I'm just going to pray with us. Father, we thank you for this morning um, and all that it entails, especially, God, uh, the, the gift of being able to be together. Just thank you for being able to be together, uh, whether it's by a campfire, singing worship songs on Friday, or whether it's this morning, breaking bread and having the cup together. Uh, in, in whatever facet we gather, whether it's in service or whether it's uh, at home praying for one another, we, we know it's such a gift. And so, God, we acknowledge right now just this moment together is a great, great gift from you. And, uh, and, and we receive it from you in the name of Jesus. Amen. My family and I are recently back from an adventure. Um, we just returned. I am, if I fall asleep during this message, it's because I'm in jet lag. And uh, we I'm, I'm, uh, woke up super early this morning. We were in the UK for um, the last uh, couple weeks um, ministering there and had a awesome time. We were uh, working with a, a network of church plants over there and uh, working with the elders of those groups and then uh, also working with a, uh, there's a network across England of uh, evangelical pastors and so I was speaking to this network of pastors and uh, kind of working with them at establishing some things that they're trying to put in place. So uh, it, what was really cool about that is that our our uh, whole family was able to go. And uh, if you remember, uh, some of you know Randy and Amy Mullins. They were the people who planted Abundant Life Bible Church in Trap. And they're good friends of ours. And uh, they have two boys the same age as our boys. And so when uh, they, they uh, left Abundant Life to move to England to start uh, working with a church plant there. And when they left, of course, that was, they were, our boys were missing their buddies and vice versa. And so it was neat to be able to take them over. They were with their friends, and uh, we had a great time. But when I say it was an adventure, I want to remind you, I think I've talked about this before, what that word adventure actually means. Um, and at the root of the word adventure is the word advent. And you may remember that advent means appearance. And so when God appears on earth, that's the advent. That's why we call Christmas advent. And adventure means what will appear. So when we go on a trip and we don't know what's in front of us, that's why we call it an adventure. And some of the most exciting times of our lives are in adventure because we don't know what's going to happen or what's in front of us. 
I, I think that it's, it's probably a bit of a farce to call an amusement park the great adventure because they, we know exactly what we're going to get. You know, it may scare us and thrill us, um, and it may be a thrill park, but it's not actually an adventure because an adventure has mystery to it. It has unknown to it. And the journey with God is an adventure, an absolute adventure. When we went on this trip, we had no idea what was in front of us. Honestly, we knew the Lord was in it and that he called us to it. And I knew I was going to be speaking at these uh, engagements. But actually, when it came to what it was that the Lord wanted to do, Jen and I both went, eyes wide open, prayerfully saying, we know the Lord's doing something. We don't know what it is. And I'm always reminded of an Advent story when I think about adventure. And it's the it's two uh two or three people in the, in the Advent story who have very different experiences when God shows up. Because uh, he shows up in the form of this little baby, but uh, that starts a little bit earlier, that story starts a little bit earlier, and there are some people in the Advent story at the beginning of Luke, uh, one is at the very beginning of Luke, the, the others uh, are in the second chapter of Luke, and they're people who have been waiting on God for a really, really long time. And what happens with a sense of adventure, sometimes it's easy to think that adventure is for young people. You know, that adventure is like that, that young, youthful spirit that wants to see new things and all of that. But this story in Luke is about people who are definitely not young. Some of them remain young at heart, and they're still on the adventure. But one of them in particular stopped being young at heart and stopped having the imagination of a child and therefore it was hard to maintain faith. And if you remember who that was, that was Zachariah. You remember the story of Zachariah, of course, when he had been disappointed with everything that was happening in his life. You know, he never had the kid that he wanted to have and he never got picked to go into the temple. All the other priests got picked to go into the temple. All that stuff. They had been praying for God to move. They were still under the oppression of Rome. But then in one day... It all changed. And he got picked to go into the temple, and here he is offering the incense. And you remember what happens is the angel Gabriel shows up on top of the incense right there. Talk about an answered prayer. You know, when you pray for something and then the angel shows up and says, yep, going to answer that one. What is his response? I mean, and, and, and of course, the, the answer to prayer was that God heard his prayer on behalf of Israel, that God was going to send one to redeem Israel, and that actually, in a very creative way, his personal prayer that he had been praying for a child, turns out, was a part of a much bigger plan. And you know how sometimes we pray for something that we want, but we can't figure out why God won't answer it? Because we can't see it in light of the bigger picture. And this is just one of those beautiful Bible stories of where we see a personal prayer and a big national prayer coincide. And we get to see how God saw the big picture and how his little prayer fit into that big prayer. And so he had been patient his whole life. But as he had been patient and obedient to God, he had started to lose hope and lose faith. And how do we know that? Because when, the Gabriel, when Gabriel the angel shows up and says, all right, here's the answer to prayer, he says, how can I know for sure that this is going to happen? Give me a sign. Like an angel Gabriel showing up in the midst of his prayer was not a good enough sign for him. You know, and uh, that means that this guy's heart was devastated. 
that this guy had been through so many disappointments in life that he was really afraid to get his hopes up. And so he read the Bible and tried to do what the Bible said, but he couldn't allow the Bible to be the filter through which he still saw the world. You know, the Bible wasn't, it was kind of principles probably to him, and it was things he needed to obey, but in his life, he couldn't put his hopes or, or his focus, like look at the world through that filter. It hurt too much to believe and anticipate that God fulfills his promises. But fortunately, he wasn't the only one in the situation. You know, there was a couple other older people, and you remember who they were, right? Anna and Simeon. You remember the story, and Anna and Simeon were also waiting, and they had been waiting their whole lives, and Simeon had gotten some word from the Lord. We don't know how he got the word from the Lord, but that he wouldn't die until he had seen the Messiah. And so he was one day doing his job like he does every day, taking babies and circumcising them and presenting them to the Lord, and one day this baby comes in, and he knew He just knew. No angel shows up. Nothing happens. He was so focused on the Lord, and he was so in tune with the Spirit that when this baby came in, he knew this one right here is the Messiah. And he holds the baby up and prophesies over the baby and proclaims the beauty of it and everything. And their parents are sitting back like, whoa, what just happened, you know? And they're totally blessed by the fact that this man who didn't hear from God in the big angelic sense, just knew in his heart, was able to confirm for them their own faith. And at that same time, there's a a woman, Anna, who had been married for eight years when she was young, and then her husband died. And from that day on, it said she spent every day in the temple worshiping God along with those who were waiting for the consolation of Israel. Eugene Peterson talks about discipleship as a long obedience in the same direction. That when you obey, not just once here, once there, but you learn to know God when you obey him over a long period of time. But obedience to God isn't about obedience to the Bible, it's about obedience to God, that which includes obedience to the Bible because it's his word. What do I mean by that? I mean that we can't just obey the principles of the Bible apart from a relationship with God and still have the imagination to see what's going on because God's alive in the spirit. And so what we need to do is we're reading his word and his spirit speaking to us through the word and we're expecting God to show up. Where will he appear? And that's the life of an adventurer. And uh, Anna and Simeon were on an adventure, and it just so happens she walks up at this exact moment when Jesus is there, and Advent happens. And there she is, what will appear, and, and they see Jesus. That, I'd say all of that to say this, was, this is our experience right now with Netzer all the time. We're, we have no idea what we're doing <laughs> half the time. Um, And the other half of the time, we're trying to figure out if this is actually what the Lord said. But as we're going, we're watching God move time and time again. So um, this trip that we just had, it was really important. It turns out that the boys were there because it's been very difficult for the Mullins family who transitioned there to England from the U.S. Their kids have gone through really rough stuff in the schools. um, And they've gone through a number of things that I'm not really free to share. But it's been really brutal. And it was awesome for our kids to be there to encourage them and they might have done as much or more ministry than than I did there just by being able to support um, their their family and uh, we had a great time ministering there so uh, this is uh, we have a slide here I want to show you uh, and 
For those of you who haven't heard much about Netzer before, what Netzer is, is we facilitate regional expressions of the church. That, uh, the, you know, in the scriptures, you know you, that there's only one church, and that manifests in different locations. And so in Pottstown area, there's actually only one church. We happen to have a whole bunch of congregations around here, but there's actually only one church. What we do within Netzer is to help facilitate the regional church, helping churches collaborate, helping church or pastors to support one another, helping pastors to discern together what's the best way forward. Um, and so uh, those are the things that we do. We do it in these three different veins. Um, the, the, this one on the bottom right is equipping the church. That's when we support churches in the midst of transition. If they're looking for pastoral support and they need to find a new pastor, if they're going through some difficulties, we help them through that. We uh, help support and train pastors and that sort of thing. That's on the equipping the church. That's why we were in England. They asked us to come over and help train and support and equip, so we did that. Um, then we also uh, do that in uh, internationally, like in England. We do that locally here. Um, we do it in El Salvador. You remember the, the stories of El Salvador. Jay and Sherry, um, who help lead Nets are with us, they're headed back over to El Salvador in July. Uh, Jen and I are probably going back in October. Um, there's a, there's a, a big property that is potentially being given uh, to build a youth camp and pastor's retreat there. We're going to check that out. One of the cool things about that is when I was talking about that at Coventry Church of the Brethren, um, somebody it sparked something for somebody, and she started praying for that all the time, and then started praying with our pastor friends who are from El Salvador in Phoenixville, and now she's uh, leading teaching English as a second language classes um, in Phoenixville there. Uh, anybody who has interest in that, I think Rosie already sent something out about that, and um, so, uh, and, and that turned into a, some really cool open doors. It also opened the doors for some financing that was really important for this camp and that sort of thing. Um, I'm going to be speaking at Footprint Church next week, uh, the, the Latino church in Phoenixville for their 15th anniversary. And um, uh, God just continues to build that relationship with the pastors in El Salvador. And we're really excited about what God's doing, doing there. Um, this, this at the top, we have Church for Church Leaders. And um, what's going on right now with Church for Church Leaders? That's where we bring pastors together in each town or region to pray together. Most of them meet twice a month. The one time they meet at the different church, uh, each, uh, each time they'll meet at a different church and pray for the pastor and the church and whatever's going on there. And then the second time they meet in the month, we call it a council meeting where we discuss what's going on, what we're facing, how to support uh, the community, how to pray for what's happening, how to have the spiritual discernment together. Like uh, at our Delaware County group uh, a few weeks ago, uh, someone came, uh, this young guy who was just fresh in ministry, he had been, uh, I think, working with InterVarsity or something, and then he said, he came and he said, hey, is this a place where we, like, talk about stuff that we don't know what to do? And we're like, yeah, sure. And he said, so I just had a couple who was, who was gay ask me to marry him, and I didn't know how to handle the situation. And so then this is a great opportunity for pastors to pray, to discuss, to talk about, okay, what is that situation look like for us? Because obviously that's a, a place in our world that's a, a really volatile and tense situation in the church. There's all sorts of explosion around that sort of thing. And it became a really uh, important time for pastors to not live in isolation from each other, but have open, honest discussion. You know, when major things hit the church throughout church history, the way they decide those things is through councils. 
And um, so it's a good time to pray together to, to sort things out. Um, recently, what we've been doing in the Church for Church Leaders section of our ministry is that uh, we've established in each of the groups a leadership team because we have enough groups happening at this point that I, uh, I can't be at all the groups all the time. Um, because they're conflicting, they meet at the same time, and that sort of thing. So we've been putting leadership teams in place, and then the leadership teams have come together at Jen and I will host them, and they'll come to the house, and we'll train them, um, and just kind of hang out with them. And then we'll, I'll go periodically to one of the groups and then meet with the leaders afterwards and discuss with them what's working and what's not working. And we've been able to get a lot more organized within Netzer recently, and part of that is because we have an administrator now, which I'm very excited about. You know him as well. It's Brandon Hanks. He's the, he's the uh, pastor at Drexel Hill Church, but he's part-time with Drexel Hill Church, and he's also now part-time. He quit his other job in order to come uh, be uh, an administrator with us, and he's doing a phenomenal job, and we're super excited about that. As a matter of fact, I was at one of the churches on a Sunday morning, and they said, hey, what, what's the need that you have in Netzer right now? And I'm like, we need administration. There's too much going on. God's doing all sorts of cool stuff, um, but I can't keep up with the administration. And they're like, well, do you, are you looking for a person? I'm like, no, I have the person. I just need the, the resources. And this person said to me, how much do you need a month in order to make that happen? And I told him, and he said, I'm going to cover it. And so Brandon's, Brandon's part-time salary is covered by this person, you know, and then we've been able to, to move on from that. God just continues to provide where there's vision. Um, God also provides for us. Um, so uh, one of the things, though, um, that I wanted to share with you, um, and I'm running out of time here, so I'm going to uh, keep this brief, is that locally here, um, there's been some real difficulties in the Pottstown area within churches and um, just some very, very difficult struggles for some pastors, for some pastoral families, for some congregations, um, most of which is, is pretty confidential stuff. But uh, Jen and I on a regular basis will get a call from a pastor about, you know, um, my child's suicidal um, or uh, you know, we're experiencing serious tension in the church. We're trying to lead us forward, um, but we're having some real struggles. Or um, there's stuff in our marriage that's really difficult. Um, or financially, we're having a hard time making ends meet. Um, and, uh, and so uh, what's really important is that pastors have a place to go with stuff like that. Because sometimes it's not easy to just air all that out with the congregation. Um, but one of the things that I want to ask from you is for continued prayer, and one of the reasons why DJ has a sharing today is to share with you how you can be prayerful and supportive. And so one is locally here in this area, please continue to pray for congregations and for pastors in this area, and particularly for families of, of ministers in this area. Um, I believe that the enemy just loves to go after pastors' families, just loves to. Um, and I just want to ask you please to be praying for the pastors and their families in this area. Um, and then, uh, please pray for Jen and I as well as we minister to pastors. It's not, um, pastoral work is the same whether you're in a local congregation or in a regional way. Um, you're either dealing with the congregation or you're dealing with the pastors of congregations. But, you know, um, when, you, when you're dealing with all of that stuff all the time, it gets heavy and sometimes it's hard to keep uh, a tender heart and to have the wisdom 
and to have the energy for it. And so as I'm asking you to be praying for us for that, I naturally uh, want to ask you to continue to do what you're probably already doing, which is praying regularly for DJ and Julie and their family as well. Um, and one of the gifts that I get is I teach at a different church almost every Sunday, and I always encourage congregations to pray for their pastor regularly because of how much they need it. And I also get to share about uh, my perspective of their pastor. And, uh, you know, I just want to remind you guys of how blessed we are as a congregation at Parker Ford Church with DJ and Julie um, and with the elders that God has given us here and with the leaders. And this is a wonderful congregation. And we love each other and we care for each other and we pray for each other. And uh, there's a target on leaders' backs um, within that. So continue to pray for them, please. Um, and, and as DJ said, the mission um, during our offering today, he, he prayed that the, the money would go toward resourcing the work outside of this place, you know. And I just want to affirm and say thank you so much for your continued support because uh, God just keeps doing awesome stuff. And that's happening. A big part of that is the support that Parker Ford Church gives to us. And so I want to thank you for that. Continue, please, to be generous to Parker Ford and invest into the church. Um, and uh, as you give, that allows the church not only to function well, but then the missions out beyond the church to function well. And that means that you will get to be on the adventure too. You know, that's part of the way that you're in the adventure. We're all in the adventure in many different ways, but when a local congregation supports missions, it gets to be a part of the adventure. I try to update uh, quarterly with a, like a newsletter, and then in between we give uh, like prayer updates, but the, the newsletter will be, it's due out this month for those of you who are um, signed up for that. And then the last thing, okay, this is the last thing, is in our One Church initiatives, um, and this is where we partner to actually do stuff together, to mobilize together, and there's a number of things that are happening on that level in different regions that I could talk about, but there's one in particular that I want to talk about um, here, one story. I was, uh, the Philadelphia Gospel Movement is uh, a movement that was started during the Billy Graham Crusade uh, in Philadelphia, and that movement uh, kind of hung around, um, and it was a, a regional partnership with churches in Philadelphia, but it struggled until they latched on to what's called Movement Day, and I don't know if you've heard of Movement Day, Tim Keller up in Manhattan uh, from Redeemer Presbyterian, they worked at this thing about how to help the church mobilize together, and so the Philly Gospel Movement picked up on Movement Day, and they started working with Movement Day, and they got a hold of me at one point and said, uh, and basically asked me to, to help them in facilitating um, this uh, one church movement and I was really really hesitant because of how busy I was and I didn't want to take anything else on and so I was but I, I, I said that I would have a meeting with them so I'm driving down to Philly and uh, I was on and this was in like February or something and I was on uh, I was on the Schuylkill um, expressway not the river and um and uh, there was a detour, uh, I forget why, was, I mean, something had happened, um, and an accident, and there was snow, and I, so I get off of the detour, and I, one of our, one of the prayer people um, calls me up and says, hey, I I'm praying for you like crazy today, and I just feel like the Lord's going to take you on different paths than you're normally on today. And I was like, okay, thanks, that's weird. I don't know why I need to know that I'm on a detour. I already am. But it was obviously a metaphor. Um, and so then I get to the destination, which was I was at the at uh, City Line Ave, uh, 
right at the City Line Ave exit, there's a Target at the corner, and there's a Panera right there at the corner. And so I was meeting these guys at Panera. And the one guy I knew who leads the Philly Gospel Network, but the guy who leads the church section of the Philly Gospel Network, I had never met before. And uh, he's an African-American pastor of a, a phenomenal church down in the city. And he and I were talking about how to partner. And so, but I had never met this guy. I didn't know him. And I go walking into Panera, and the guy who I knew was in the restroom. And I come walking in, and the other man sees me. Uh, he doesn't know me. I don't know him. We see each other. There's all sorts of people in this Panera. We see each other, and I look over at him, and he gets a tear in his eye, and he runs over. This big dude comes running over and hugs me, and I'm like, this is weird, you know? And he's like, you're Tim, right? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, man, I really hope you're Terry. And, um, and uh, he was like, yeah, he's like, my heart leaped out of my chest when I saw you. The spirit was stirring inside of me. And he said, um, where's the boundary of your ministry? And I said, well, we've always saw the boundary of our ministry of being this side of, this side of Harrisburg and this side of Philly. And he said, so what, up to City Line Avenue, like where we are right now? And I'm like, yeah. Oh, and I forgot to tell you, <laughs> this is important to the story. When the person called me, they said, you're, you're going to be taking on new roads today, and God's going to extend your road, is what they said. And then this guy, what he says to me is, Oh, so your boundary's been up to the, the city. He said, have you ever thought that God might extend your road and that you're supposed to help us out in the city in Philly? And uh, I just started crying because then I was like, oh, man, I just like the, our prayer person had just been telling us, uh, saying that's what they were sensing. And so um, God's really opened the door. I, I don't have time to tell you the rest of the stories about that, but I, I, I was in American Bible Society on Independence Mall with leaders from all across the city um, last month praying about how God's going to do regional work in the city of Philadelphia. And it was amazing. The night before, God took one of our intercessors and told them to go down to Independence Mall and walk around Independence Mall and pray for it. And they had no idea what was going on. And, uh, and the next day, I'm like, oh, man, God had this cool thing going on. And, the, and it was another one of the prayer people who were just so blessed to see how God has us pray for things, and then God answers those prayers. Um, so God continues to do this work. It's very near and dear to the heart of God that the church functions in unity. The gospel itself is about God reconciling us to himself, but also to one another. And if we believe that we're reconciled to God, but don't live in reconciliation with one another, then there's some deception happening among us. We cannot have a reconciled relationship with God without also having reconciliation with one another. The one time in the gospel where we see one apostle get all up in the face of another apostle is when the apostle Paul would not stand it when Peter would only sit at the Jewish table and not at the Gentile table. Can you imagine what Paul would have done if there was actually a Jewish church and a Gentile church? <laughs> Can you imagine what Paul would do today if he saw there was African American churches and Caucasian churches and Latino churches? Can you imagine what he would do if he realized how independent of one another we actually are? When what he says the mystery of the gospel is, is that God had the Jews together with the Gentiles as the people of God. And that, that now there is therefore 
neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, but we are one in Christ. And this work that God is doing, that he's stirring in the church, is to remember that we are one. And the world needs to see a picture desperately of what human unity can actually look like. And there's one group on earth who can pull that off. The followers of Jesus. And when he prayed, make them one as you and I are one. That was the great gift of that prayer that he still prays at the right hand of the Father. And he died on a cross and rose from the dead to make it a reality. And that's what we're working at submitting into. So when we take the bread and the cup today, we're remembering that we are one. But we share this bread and cup not only in this local family, but with all those who break that bread and drink that cup. Father, we thank you for the mystery of the gospel God, I just ask that you would continue to strengthen our hearts. Father, I ask that we would, we would work not only to follow you personally, but that, God, we would work at submitting to the reality that we are one with the church all around us. God, I thank you for the gift, for the wonderful gift. When, when, some, when, a, when a man and a woman stand in an altar and, <laughs> and, and, and a pastor says, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And Jesus, when you said that there is one Lord, one faith, faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, that there's only one body, what God has joined together, let no one separate. God, unify your church. Bring us together because we know that the beauty that you want to reveal, your glory, the mystery of godliness, the mystery of the gospel is that when people tend to find all their identities in all those places, you have said that we can all have a singular identity in you. We can function as one, those of us who belong to Christ. God, this is your work. We believe that you have done it and that you will do it. We thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus.